Hi, my name is Ben. I'd like to welcome you all to the Off the Ball podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Manchester United's 2-2 draw against Southampton. We're going to be going over the talking points of the game, the main kind of issues that United had. And we're going to be looking forward to the next game against Crystal Palace. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. The first thing I want to talk about today is the Romero foul and the just horrible use of VAR. You know, we can't boast as fans of the Premier League that we are the best league if all of these mistakes keep happening. I mean, it's literally for second opinion. And the fact is that doesn't even get a look over. That doesn't even get a look over. It's not like Greenwood got side down, like he got tackled and he just popped right back up. He was down for a long time. And, I mean, that would be a very, very lenient yellow card, is what I'm going to say. Like, it would have been a very... He would have been lucky to get a yellow card during that challenge. It was... I mean, it was egregious. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I would have totally shifted the game because Romero's a part of that midfield. He's a big part of that midfield. You know, sure he was a casualty when they lost 9 nothing to uh, Leicester, but even then, you know, he's he's been a big part of that midfield. And personally, I just, I just, I just don't understand it. I genuinely just don't understand it. You know, you can't make that mistake. And I know what you might be saying, Ben, you're being incredibly stupid because Manchester United have benefited from VAR before. Yeah, sure, fine. And I'll give it to you. That Bruno the Bruno penalty in the Aston Villa game was not a penalty. It wasn't. I'll give it to you, fine. But, I mean, that was a terrible, that was a terrible missed call. It was, it, it could have really shifted the game. Because now you have Southampton playing with 10 men for probably a whole half. And, yeah, United didn't play well in the second half. But even then, they would have pushed on and probably had one more, one chance or a couple chances that could have turned into goals. So now you say 3-2 is the final score. United would go into third. So, generally, that mistake probably, or not probably, but could have costed United the game. So, it's it's egregious. It's terrible, VAR. It, it really, just really, truly is. And I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it, it was... It was a terrible challenge, and it should have been red-carded, and it wasn't red-carded. So now we have to go into the fact that, is VAR really benefiting the Premier League? Can we can we not have VAR and be okay? Because I think, personally, until they can you know, fix their act, VAR is not benefiting the Premier League at all. So I don't know where you can go from that. Really. I just really, truly don't know where you can go from here. This is... I mean, it was a... It could have... It could have really hindered uh, Mason Greenwood. It could have injured Mason Greenwood. It could have broken his ankle. It could have broken his leg. It, it was it was a terrible challenge, and it should have been carded for it. At least yellow carded, and that's a very lenient yellow. I mean, he should have been red carded. But I mean, you know, you have to take kind of the good with the bad, and or the bad with the good, and you know, in that first half, there was a lot of good besides the bad, which was the conceded goal. But, you know, I just personally think it would have totally shifted the momentum. Because United already had momentum. Now, think, okay, they're already down a man. They're down a goal. They're totally going to probably concede another time. And, I mean, it's just a missed call that should have been called. And I, that's all I have really have to say about it. Number two, and this is something that has plagued us even before the restart, it's individual errors. Individual errors have led to us uh, getting scored on, you know, twice in Bournemouth, and now 
I would even say twice here because you look at the corner, Maguire's marking his own man, Lindelof's not getting in front of Ovafemi, De Gea doesn't come to punch out, and now you're looking at, oh no, we've conceded a goal in the 96th minute. You know, and I think this is, and you also have to look at the first goal where Pogba tries to play it out of his own half and gets cut out, and we concede. You know, it's individual errors that lead to these goals. It really, truly is. I think they don't come often, and that's good, because we're really, defensively, we're pretty good. And they don't come often, but when they do, it's just terrible. It's it's at a terrible time. And personally, I just, I, I don't know how you could fix it. Is it is it match sharpness? Well, I don't know, because you've been playing the same team for five, six games. You know, is it meshing together after the break? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know what... This is. I. It could just be that they're off for four months and they're just trying to get their heads back in. Yeah, but after five or six games, you, you start to think, hey, maybe they shouldn't be that bad at just making these mistakes, because these are mistakes that regular players make. When you have a guy like Paul Pogba losing possession in his own half in a dangerous area, that doesn't happen. You know that that happened again, like a couple minutes later in the game, and I was sitting there like, what the hell. You know, like, you know, Paul Pogba, I'm not blaming him because he's been incredible since the restart, but he, he, this is his worst game, and he almost had two errors leading into goals. He had one error, and he almost had another one a couple minutes later. And, I mean, it was generally, you know, it's, it's just these individual errors that are leading to goals. It, this needs to be cleaned up. You know, this needs to be cleaned up. And... I don't know. Like I don't know how it will be cleaned up. Maybe it is just match sharpness. Maybe it is after playing twenty or thirty odd games, uh, taking a four month break and trying to come back is extremely difficult. But you'd expect after playing with the same team for four straight games, playing with basically the same center back partner, uh, and being a veteran. I'm talking about Harry Maguire, who's marking his own man and not trying to actually. Head of the ball away because again, if he comes off and he defends Obafemi, there's no there's no goal. So there is there is a certain level of we kind of expect you to not mess up as bad as they did, and they messed up, and there's nothing really else to say about it because they you know individual errors kind of led to I think the past four goals we've conceded. Uh, the third thing I want to talk about is the lineup now. Oligan Solskjaer has been riding high on this one lineup for the past five games. Basically, for the past six games, if you like substitute, I believe, McTominay for Pogba. It's been the same lineup. You know what that means? They're just tired. Manchester United aren't, like, this team isn't built to play six games on the, five or six games on the bounce with the same team. You know, and now, especially since we didn't pick up three points today... We now have to look at, okay, we have two more games this week. We're not playing everyone against Crystal Palace, so who are we playing to maximize our points? And then we have FA Cup semifinal against Chelsea. So we're probably going to have to put our whole team in there, and then you have you know, the next two Premier League games, which we need to put our whole team in. So you've kind of messed yourself up here, if you're a Solskjaer, because you have a team full of tired players who are now... Who I mean, they looked tired after sixty-seven minutes. They sixty like sixty, sixty-five, seventy minutes. They stopped pressing. 
You know, they just, they came back instead of defend it, instead of trying to press on and score another one, which we've seen in the Bournemouth game when we score five, and the Aston Villa game when we score three, and like we've seen before with the Solskjaer team that you've come on and it's not a hold on to the win type of situation. It is let's stomp on their necks situation, and I think they were just tired. They couldn't push anymore. It, they really, really just couldn't push anymore, and like there's no and that's also talking about the depth as well there's little depth on that team besides defensive wise defensive wise there's little depth on there's depth on the team you have uh Brandon Williams you have Eric Baez Scott McTominay you have these players but in the midfield and the offense you don't have any creators Odin Nagala as much as I love him is not a creator Daniel James is great when the other team is tired and you want to push on for another goal but he's not a creator He's not. He needs someone in that. Which leads to my next point, which is Pogba and Bruno coming off at the same time was the worst mistake of this game. I understand. They were probably exhausted for carrying the midfield. (laughs) You know, they were probably exhausted for carrying the load of having to create for this team. But they came off at the same, almost the exact same time. And the possession dropped. I think it was like, after Pogba came off, we had 23.6% possession. And after... Bruno came off, we had like 16 or 13% possession. I mean, that's insane to think that we're home. I don't care with without bands, we're still home and we've lost that much possession. I mean, it, it. there's no excuse for it other than we need either Pogba or Bruno on the field until we get for some reinforcement, such as Jack Grealish or Donny van de Beek. We need someone like that and we need someone like that to come off the bench, and I just don't see anyone that can be that way. I just don't, and I just... It's almost disheartening, because you look at this team, and you think, this is the best starting eleven we've had since Fergie. And then you look at the bench, and you go, this bench is not going to help us if we need to score another goal. You know? And I, that's definitely an extreme par- problem that we have. It really, truly is. The next thing I want to talk about is Greenwood's kind of absence and look Southampton played I think tactically I wouldn't say outclassed us because I think we played pretty well but they turned it up a notch I mean the high press was able to really compact our lines and it wasn't really helping that we couldn't get Bruno and Pogba on the ball as much as we should have and because they only had 28 passes and we, we weren't really able to to really kind of show our creativity in this game the high press really killed us so when you have two players on Mason Greenwood who could if there's one person on could if he gets forced left he can shoot if he gets forced right he can, get, he can shoot you know he, he doesn't have the whereabouts to really or he doesn't have like the, the, just the knowledge of playing year after year after year to know what to do from that situation when he has when he's being double teamed I mean there there were so many players running out of Greenwood when he got the ball and it just you know, he just seemed to kind of disappear, and it's not his fault. He's, you know, he's 18 years old. He can still play in the youth FA Cup. But, and I found that kind of funny. But, you know, I think personally it's just, it's almost degrading to see someone who was banging in goals, who was being a creative, creative outlet, just, he, he just seemed kind of gone from the game. And he seemed kind of removed. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what loses games. You know, not being able to get players on the ball like Bruno and Pogba, not being able to, to show how good Mason Greenwood could be and not being able to really push Mason Greenwood past the defense 
That's what really killed it. I mean, we weren't really able to get anything creative after those two goals. Besides the Martial-Rashford link-up that almost would have been probably the goal of the season. I mean, it was an incredible move. It was an incredible sequence of events that almost led to Rashford scoring, and he kicked it right at the leg of the goalkeeper. And it's just, it's it's kind of degrading, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you want to go on from this, and you want to look at it as, well, we didn't lose, but what what can we take away from this game that's going to help us in the future? Like, what we do wrong in this game? And I think not getting Greenwood involved and not being able to use him as a decoy or use him as something really kind of killed us. And I think... The, the the not being able to use Greenwood and Pogba and and uh, Bruno as best as we could really just really killed us. Something that was very apparent in this game was Martial. I mean, you can see he's starting to become a more complete number nine. And really, you know, I, in my notes here, I said Martial's masterclass almost. Because, you know, if he chips the keeper that first time, he has two goals and assist. He's leading us in goals per, in, uh, in the goal tally for the season, and we win the game. And again, I'm not trying to put the onus of the loss on anyone, uh, but, you know, there are moments, again, there are moments that we've just missed, but Martial had an incredible game. The hold-up play that he had right before getting the assist for Marcus Rashford was incredible. I thought that was, that was like, Odie and Agallo Manchester City game-like. I mean, it was it was genuinely probably, like, the best thing I think I've seen. Like, what, what like the best hold up play I've seen in a while. And personally, I think that was really good. So I'm not too bummed about the entire like his performance is incredible, out of this world. Definitely man of the match for me. Man of the match for probably everyone who watched it. So I thought it was pretty. I thought he was a gleaming light in that game. Uh, moving on next, I want to say we defended extremely well. I think, you know, there's this idea that we didn't play extremely well in the second half, and we didn't. We should have pressed, and we should have tried to get more than that extremely good chance where Rashford shot it at the keeper's leg. But, um, you know, we should have we should have pushed on to get, to get another goal, but we defended extremely well up until the corner. And I think the corner, for some reason, I think we just switched off. Because... Maguire is one of the... Like, we've seen him in corners going forward. He's incredible. And we've seen him in corners before. He's incredible defending them. So now you're looking at a situation where Maguire is marking his own man. You have De Gea, who's not coming up for a punch. And you have uh, Lindelof, who just... He he just lets Obafemi get in front of him. And it's, you know, it's something that really shouldn't have happened. Like, that corner doesn't happen 99 out of the 100 times we try it, you know? And besides, I think we defended extremely well. Again, Lindelof had an incredible performance. I think he was standout. Shaw was standing out to me. Uh, Rashford played pretty well. Bruno with another assist. But I think defensive-wise, we played, we played extremely well up until that moment. Uh, as I said before, I think, as another talking point, we just missed our chances. Martial had one or two tries. I remember he picked the ball up from midfield and just drove it down. And, you know, everything was there but the finish. He blew it, he blew it uh, wide, and he blew it over, I think, actually. But it, it was just, it seemed to, like, it seemed to be that we just couldn't finish today. Besides the two goals, we just couldn't finish. Martial, nine of the ten times, he 
tries to dink the keeper. He does not try to shoot it to the left or the right. He tries to chip the keeper there, and he doesn't. And he doesn't chip the keeper, and it's just, and we lose the game. You know, we don't lose. We, we don't lose the game, but we lose kind of that possession, because when now I think that was before they scored. So now we're one nil up, and we don't have to kind of keep. We don't have to use build up play in our own half to try and get forward, because that second goal was wasn't build up play in our own half, from. Uh, box to box, so from our penalty area to their penalty area was 12 seconds. So you look at that and you say, okay, if we take our chance in the first half, fine, we'll be 2-3-0, or 3-1 three, no, three, up. We win the game, you know. And Rashford had a great chance, shot at the keeper's leg. I mean, it, you're looking at now three chances where United could have just pulled away. Really. And it, it's taking those chances when we get them is is something that was extremely frustrating to watch. Um, one of the biggest talking points in the game actually was the um, substitutions because a lot of people thought that it killed the game. Like, it killed any of our chances of getting forward and getting another goal. It really... And I can understand when that comes from, where that comes from, but also it's the right substitution to make. You know, you God forbid Pogba Bruno gets injured. You know, that that's something that they had to make sure didn't happen. And when you have 2-1 against a team that presses high, we should have left left them on in hindsight, but they were the right substitutions to make at the time. Because remember, you also have three uh, times to make substitutions, which is it's terrible because we were down to 10 men and we could have subbed off Williams for another defender or someone like that, which could have changed the game. So now we're looking at you know, a flawed area of this new system that we have because of the because of Project Restart. But even then, the substitutions that we had that we did make kind of killed us off. Besides, Brandon Williams, and Luke Shaw, because Brandon Williams went down with an injury a couple minutes later. Um, yeah, I mean the substitutions really just killed us, and I think that was something that was detrimental to the team. But you have to also look at those are the right substitutions to make to make sure that we weren't going to have any new injuries. Really, we weren't going to have any new injuries. Uh, if we made those substitutions, and we didn't, and we didn't have any new injuries, which is good, but this was something that definitely needed to be worked on, especially now, we need to build off of the fact that we don't have any creative midfielders coming off the bench, so we have to now sign either Jack Grealish or Donny van der Beek, or even both at this point, and we need, we need more, this is, it's it's a sign that we need a lot more depth in the creative department of the team, it's just, it's, we need more depth. I think personally, what really kind of um, got me this game was the flashbacks that I got from the, like from seventy minutes on, where we were just sitting in our own half. We, because I just remembered Mourinho doing that. I remember Van Gaal doing that. That that we were playing to conserve the lead. We weren't playing to try to extend it. And I don't think this is something Solskjaer did. I really, for some reason, I just don't think Solskjaer did this. Because Solskjaer, we've seen in past games where we're down, we're only up 2-1. We're only up this many goals. We crack on and try and get another goal to end the game. You know, he has that kind of gun shooter mentality that Ferguson had uh, in his last season. That kind of one more goal wins the game. And, you know, I I think they might have just relapsed because they were tired and they just realized if we just hold on here, we can win. And, you know, we didn't. And we didn't hold on. We didn't win. But I think... Personally, it w- it just seemed to relapse. We just seemed it was just it was it was like watching Mourinho play for the seventy for the last twenty minutes, and it was it wasn't good. <laughs> it 
it was it was not good for us. I think genuinely, you know, and I think even when they got the corner, I was thinking. I said I didn't want a corner. Uh, I was with someone else watching, and I said I don't want the corner. And they got the corner and they scored, but you know I looked at other things and I was just thinking, this is you know, this is this is basically how we played under Mourinho. We'd get a goal and get out, and we couldn't get out half the time. We couldn't get out of this game. You know, we have to play this kind of pushing forward, getting one more goal. We can sit back when we're up, when we have a cushion, not when we just have one goal lead, but if we have like two goals or three goals to our lead, then we can go, okay, we don't need to play this anymore. We don't need to play as hard as we have to. Let's sit back. Let's pass it around the back. Let's not try and, you know, let's not like go all out. You know, and again, if we if we take those chances, we're up three, four, one. So it's definitely it's a combination of a lot of things that kind of led to us not winning. Really, it's not taking the chances. It's playing like Mourinho in the last twenty minutes. It's the substitutions which you should make. It's it's this this combination of a lot of things that really just killed us this game. So the final thing I want to talk about is kind of the fact the top three is still a possibility and it's a huge possibility I think if you look at it because if Chelsea dropped points against Liverpool and Wolves which those are their last two games if Chelsea drops points against those two then United if they win all three games goes into third and I don't see them I, I see them dropping points I just, I just don't see them not dropping points against Liverpool who are the champions and you know they have had pretty bad form coming out of the break but I just I don't see them losing Liverpool. I really truly don't. I think they were going to lose the one time, and they did. So I think that was, I think that was it. And against Wolves, Wolves needs to kind of gain maximum points to make sure they stay in that top five six bracket because you have, I'm not gonna say Arsenal going to be challenging, but you have Wolves. Yeah, no, you have Wolves. You have a uh, Sheffield, and you have some other teams that are just really going to challenge for that top five six position or the top six position at least. So. You know, and I don't see, and Wolves are in the Europa League now, but I don't see them going past, going into the final because I see Man United winning that, winning the Europa League. But even then, they're going to want to kind of get into sixth place to be able to kind of cement their Europe, uh, Europe status, really. And Leicester, again, if we just win out, we'll get fourth, which is fine. But Leicester have um, Tottenham, no, Leicester have Sheffield, Tottenham, and Man United. I don't see them winning against Sheffield. I'll be completely honest. Sheffield have pulled up incredible form since, I think, losing to us. They've pulled up incredible form. Uh, Tottenham. I could see them beating Tottenham. Tottenham have been a really, really terrible side. And then Man United, which I don't see them beating Man United. So, again, I think if we're able to capitalize, if Manchester United are able to capitalize on the next three games, which aren't these mag, these enormous games. I mean, they have... Crystal Palace, West Ham, and Leicester. These aren't these big games. So if Leicester, uh, Leicester drop points again, if Leicester drop points and we go forward and we win the next two games, we'll be in fourth and we'll only need to draw. You know what I mean? And I think if I'm Solskjaer, I'd probably look to say, okay, if we can't win, if we can't outwardly win in forty-five minutes against Leicester, we'll try and kind of play for the draw, play for. Conserving lead, conserving leads. If we're already ahead on the table, so I think personally, top four, even top three, is not out of the question. It, it, there's still a huge possibility, and I know this was a sucker punch, especially to lose in the fashion we did, because of just 
we defended extremely well for them uh for ninety minutes and then ninety six minute one corner swings in McGuire does something i don't I, he, it looks like he was marking Aaron Juan Pasaka, who's his own teammate, but he goes and I think he's trying to win the ball back as well and De Gea doesn't come out to punch and Lindelof gets beat by Obafemi at the near at the far post and you know it it's it's kind of it's a it's a soccer punch but I think and I think especially a lot of the United fans I've seen have been very upset because that was again another shot to kind of prove that we aren't the same team we've been for the past seven years but I think I you know I think this whole 18 game unbeaten streak has proven that we're not the same team and I think we're going to go in to Crystal Palace beat them who Crystal Palace who've, who's lost the last five games we're going to go into Crystal Palace and beat them we're going to go into West Ham and that's going to be a tough game but I think we're going to beat them and then we're going to go into Leicester and I think we're going to beat them so I think top three is still a possibility really so let's stop talking about the past and talk about the future Manchester United have Crystal Palace on Thursday now Crystal Palace have lost the last five games they've been in terrible form uh, of course they should have drawn against Chelsea but then again we should have uh, won against Southampton so I'm not going to say, you know, should have, would have, could have. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Manchester United, they need to rotate this uh, game. And we're going to be talking about uh, lineups and formations just a little bit later. But right now, I think we're just going to talk about the overview of the game. United need to win out. There's no dropping points in the next three games. This, this is our season. If we show that we can't win against... Crystal Palace. We can't win against West Ham. We can't win against Leicester. Then this, then this team hasn't changed. This team has not changed since the beginning of the year, which, you know, is kind of a really, really weird statement to say because we have changed. It's just the team hasn't changed if we can't win these next two games. You know, it's paramount. It's a paramount to us to win these next two games because even now we have Crystal Palace on Thursday and then the FA Cup semifinal we have Chelsea, which is a huge game and I want to win the FA Cup. I'd like to win the FA Cup and we've beaten Chelsea what three times. We've beaten Chelsea, yeah, yeah. We've beaten Chelsea three times under Solskjaer, so why not make it four? You know, why not make it four? And I think this is genuinely going to be a test of Solskjaer's, you know, capability as a manager because you have to rotate. And again, we'll talk about. I've said this before, but again, we'll talk about uh, formations in a little bit. But right now, I just want to say that this game is incredibly important. You know, we messed up our opportunity last game. We should have played just a little better and we would have won the game. And I think that's really frustrating, and it is. But it's just, you know, this is now our time. This is now our chance to go out and show how mentally strong the team is for coming back from just such a heartbreaking defeat. It wasn't a defeat, it was a draw, but it just felt like a defeat, the way we lost. So I think this is genuinely probably the biggest game in Manchester United's season so far personally because I think sure you can look at the Manchester Derby sure you can look at us beating Chelsea twice sure you can look at the draw against Liverpool but this is this is going to define the season the next three games are going to define the season you know throw away everything that happened before this is this is what's going to ha- define the season and I think if Manchester United go out there and win and then they can rally behind the team and win again against West Ham I am sure and I've said this before I'm sure Leicester are going to drop points so I'm sure we're going to at least be in fourth in the final there when we have to face Leicester so this is going to be a huge, huge game for United. These next three games are going to be extremely huge. And I've said before, um, Crystal Palace are not in the best of form. They've lost their last five games. We need to capitalize on that. We can't let them win. We can't let them win. We can't let them in the game. This should be 100% just a total domination for United. We can let them score, but we have to come back like we did in the first half of uh, Southampton, like we did against uh, Bournemouth. We need to come back, and we have to win this game. 
this is a this is a must win game for United, because I don't really see us ever getting top four if we don't win the next three games. So to talk about the lineup, it's kind of tricky now because we have to rotate now. Of course, in goal De Gea, who again barring getting scored on twice was pretty good last game, um, but I think De Gea has to be in goal, and now he had to look at the really kind of tough situation of. You have no left back, you know. It looked like Shaw kind of rolled his ankle, but, you know, Luke Shaw went through so many injuries, and he's been in and out of teams so far, so how do we? How are we going to know that he's going to be the same player? Like, how are we going to rely on him being fit, really? And I don't, I don't know how we can. So now we look at Brandon Williams. Well, Brandon Williams, I don't know, can play. I mean, the he, he might have gotten a concussion from the collision that he had. He, he might have gotten a concussion, and I think that's genuinely... Something that is going. To, this is going to test. This is going to test all these leadership and all these managing skills. Because now, who are you going to look at? And I think you have to look at Diogo Delo as a as a as a chance, as an opportunity. He's not the best fullback in the world, but we're not playing the best team in the world. You know, and the fact that we need a kind of defensive fullback is going to screw us kind of a little bit because Diogo Delo used to be a right midfielder. So now you're going to try and play him on the left, and I don't know if it will work. But I think. Unless Brandon Williams is fine, unless Luke Shaw is fine, I don't see any other option. So now you go to the center back pairings. Again, this is going to be weird. Do you play Maguire? Do you play Lindelof? I think you have to play one of the two. And I think you have to either put Bai or, and this is going to surprise some people, Ted and Mengi, who a lot of people thought would start last game. Ted and Mengi has been training with the team ever since the restart. He's been impressing, uh, according to reports, he's been impressing the coaching staff. This might be Ten and Mengi's time to at least make the bench, because there's a lot of there's a slew of injuries. Um, so Ten and Mengi might start, and that would be, that's kind of exciting. And the exciting and the excitement continues into right back, which I don't know if you play with Anwar Basaka, because Anwar Basaka has kind of dipped in form a little bit since the restart. Not since the restart, but like Southampton, he didn't play incredibly well. He conceded the corner, yeah, but Southampton he didn't play incredibly well. You also had. The Bournemouth game, he didn't play incredibly well. Do you play Ethan Laird? You know, someone else who, yeah, he's kind of injury prone, but someone who is, you know, been training with the first team and is raring to go and wants to play. You know, he's a young, he's a young kid. I mean, he's not, he's older than me, but he's a young, he's a young player. Let him have his chance against Crystal Palace. I think personally, I know we need to win this game, and I said that how how incredibly important it is to win this game. But you know, he could really help Ethan Laird. I think this would be an incredible chance to give him. Then we move on to even something a little bit more difficult, the midfield. The midfield is going to be incredibly difficult to kind of pinpoint who's going to play. Do you play both Pogba and Bruno and kind of hope that they don't get injured? I don't think so. I think you rest Pogba. Bruno hasn't really been injured in his career, like, as, as, like, hasn't really been injured severely in his career. Pogba was out most of the season this season. You want to rest him because he's the kind of difference maker. I know we said, I know how a lot of people say, oh, Bruno is, but Pogba really, like, that bolsters the midfield. There's a, and I think the Bruno Pogba partnership is a reason why we're not drawing a lot of these games. Because I think if Bruno just plays by himself, as we've seen in the Tottenham game, he can only do so much. When you have Pogba there as the extra pivot, it's incredible. And I think you have to kind of rest Pogba. If, if things aren't going well, put him on after 60 minutes, but I don't know. I don't, I just I, don't, I think that you have to start Bruno in this situation. So, if that's the case then you either then you have Matic who's not going to play. He looked tired, you know, again, um, Mourinho ran him into the ground under 
during that year when he was really good and then right after he just played him every game and he's 30 something years old he's not going to survive that you know he's not going to play extremely well every game if you're going to give him every game you know he looked terrible and then he came back and he looked immense he looked really good and now he's he's kind of looking to drop off a little bit and I think this is Solskjaer's way of saying okay stop we need you for the Chelsea game we need you for the Leicester game you can rest you can take a breather and put in Scott McTominay and Fred as the midfield Fred can get forward he's he's a little more creative same with Scott McTominay but Scott you know, six four. The guy, the guy can play defense. He's really good, and I think same thing. Fred can play defense, but not. He's very energetic, and I think uh, he he can. He's definitely really good in intercepting passes. So I think that three midfield is going to be really well. Is going to do really well. Again, they're gonna. Yeah, he's gonna play a four two three one, like he's played in every game since the restart, or a four three three if you want to look at it that way. But it's not. Now comes the attackers. Do you start Martial? Probably, yeah. Do you start Rashford? Yeah, probably. I mean, they had in two. Both of them had incredible games yesterday, or not yesterday, but uh, versus Southampton. Both of them have been in great form. I mean, Marcus Rashford not so much, but Martial has been incredible since the restart. So I think you have to start him. You have to start Marcus Rashford. Do you start Greenwood? And I think that's a genuine question because I know Dan James isn't the best right midfielder, and I think a lot of people have kind of taken a shot at him. Uh, for not being the best midfielder or best right mid but even then we need to rest Mason Greenwood you know as Steven Housen have said has uh, said before this is the most calculated you know uh, kind of inclu- inclusion from a player into the first team I've ever seen and same with me I mean I wasn't alive when Ryan Giggs was in and out of the first team so you know I think it's 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 something that I think Solskjaer has to consider Bring him on after 45, but don't, like, start him every game because they're going to run him into the ground. You know, we've seen that he is susceptible from being shut down. I mean, Southampton, against Southampton, he didn't play extremely well because he was getting shut down. They put two defenders in front of him, and he can't cut in both ways. He's going to try and pass out, and it just didn't work. So I think they have to at least consider Dan James from starting. So I think if you're going to look at this team, I think you got to go with De Gea, and then at left back, you have Delow. Uh, uh, Harry Maguire or Victor Lindelof and then on the right center back or on well, the other center back you have either Eric Bailly or Tenen Mengi and then on the right back you know you might play AWB there but you want him for that Chelsea game so I think you'd probably play Ethan Laird you know he's been training with the first team as I said before in the midfield you have Bruno Fernandes because he's been in fine form ever since he's I should just say, ever since he's been born, this man has been in fine form. I mean, he was the only player for sport thing for the past couple of years. He came here and is absolutely killing it. So you got to put Bruno Fernandes in the squad. And then you have Fred and Scott McTominay as the two, midf- as the two defense midfielders. You push up. You also have uh, you have Marcus Rashford on the left. Again, got his goal from open play. Uh, got his goal from open play against Southampton. I think he's starting to really pick up form. You have Martial, who's been in incredible form since the restart. He's been in incredible form this whole season, really, but incredible form since the restart. And then on the right, you probably play Mason Greenwood, but there's definitely a consideration for Dan James. And the score prediction, I think United are coming out. I know, I think it's away at uh, Selhurst Park. Yeah, it's away at Selhurst Park. So I think United win by three or more goals. I genuinely, I don't think we play conservative. I think we play all out. We win by, we win 3-4-1, 3-4-0, three, 
I, I genuinely, and I, I don't know, I hope I'm not jinxing, jinxing this scoreline, but I genuinely do believe that. Uh, I really, truly do. I think United come out two, I think the range is two to five, the, the amount of goals United might score uh, against Crystal Palace. Really. I really well and truly do. So I'm I'm excited for this game. I'm very nervous. I'm excited for this game. I think United are going to come out, and I think they're just going to boss the game. They're going to play extremely well. I know we're playing with a rotated team, so it's kind of be on a lower spectrum of that range, kind of two to three, or maybe even concede a goal. But two to three is, I think, is kind of probably the more, uh, the more realistic kind of thing. But I don't think United come out with the same squad, and even then, I think United still win by a comfortable margin. And that's that. I think those are my uh, comments about the Southampton game, and those are my predictions for not only the lineup but the score for the uh, for the Crystal Palace game. Uh, if you like what you heard, we're on Spotify, Off the Bar Podcast. Definitely show some love and support. Comment down below what you think the score line would be for the Crystal Palace game, and if you liked what you heard, like and subscribe. Thank you.